Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. Hey guys, my name is Morgan Garrett. I am so excited to talk to you about satisfaction today. I remember my first SMC and coming to the breakout and being really excited about the topic, but I was like, who is this person telling me about satisfaction? How is she qualified to talk to me about this? And I get it. So I want to share a little bit about myself and why I feel that I am qualified to share with y'all what I've learned about satisfaction and contentment. I'm not going to give you the talk, oh, I've had everything that I've wanted, and I'm here to tell you why you should be satisfied, because I haven't. I am from a small town in Texas, and so that sent me back a couple of years, um, just not really knowing what was in the real world once I graduated. But I did graduate from the University of Oklahoma, where I was in the best sorority house on campus, um, Kappa. You can fight me on it. You won't win. Um, what can I say? We are used to winning up in Oklahoma. So um, I'll have to admit my Instagram isn't the best ever either. I mean, it's OK. It's not terrible. My ratio isn't the best. But it's okay. I mean, I would say it's pretty normal, pretty average. I'd give it a solid B minus. But I do have some really cool friends. We have great times together. I get to travel a lot. And I would say I am surrounded by some of the best people. And yes, this is my car. She is struggling a little bit. She drags on the ground a little when I drive her. Um, and last week, I actually added a new addition to her. She has a new scratch on her from a fender bender I got into. And so I looked a little bit more ratchet pulling up to SMC this year than normal. But hey, she runs and she got me here. So that's all that matters. Um, and yeah, I might not have the best looking car, but I definitely have the best looking guy. This is my super cute boyfriend. He is a military man, ladies, and man in uniform. Am I right? Um, and so I say all of this not to say, oh, look at me or oh, feel bad for me, but so that you can know a little bit about me and know that I don't have everything, but also to say that I do have a pretty great life and I have a lot of great things in my life. And so through all of it, lacking a lot and having everything I could hope for, I have learned what truly satisfies. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what we're all looking for to feel satisfied? We have all been born with the desire to be fully satisfied. We look to so many things in this world that will fill the void that we all have. We can probably all agree that the world is appealing, right? But I am here to tell you today that, yes, the world is appealing, but God is satisfying. So what is satisfaction? Let's look at the definition. Satisfaction is the fulfillment of one's wishes, expectations, or needs, or the pleasure derived from this. So with this definition, take a second with the people around you and answer this question. What are some things that satisfy you? Okay, let's bring it back in. So obviously, there are probably a lot of things that satisfy you. We have all watched those super satisfying videos of people cutting that sand stuff or those slow motion videos of things smashing. If you've never watched those, go watch them. I promise you they are very satisfying. Or there's those crazy people 
probably a lot of you in here who find satisfaction from videos of people popping pimples. I'll say I have been one of those people before. It's kind of satisfying, also disgusting at the same time. We also find satisfaction in how many followers we have on Instagram or how many snap streaks we have. We find it in how much money we have in the relationships, <clears throat> friendships, a career, family, clothes, food, alcohol, drugs, sex, TV, video games, grades, <clears throat> social status, and so many other things. There are so many things that give us satisfaction, but all these things bring temporary satisfaction. We are satisfied for a little bit and then when we are on and then we're on to the next thing. So the question we ask is, how do we stay satisfied? Is it even possible? How does contentment play a role in satisfaction? <clears throat> contentment is the state of happiness and satisfaction. Take a second. Can any of you think of anyone who is actually content? I thought of a couple people that if you look at their life, they seem pretty content. Let's look at Drake. He is one of the best artists for years. He has all the money he could need, all the cars, all the girls, all the success. And he seems pretty chill, pretty easygoing. I mean, he's a fun guy. He looks like he enjoys life. I would look at him and think, oh, yeah, he's got a, he's pretty satisfied, pretty content. I was looking at some of his lyrics and in one of his lyrics, he says, you know, I spend money because spending time is hopeless. And no, I pop bottles because I bottle my emotions. Wow. Drake is saying here that he continues to seek things of this world more to drown out the lack of satisfaction that he has. So Drake is not always satisfied, not always content with what he has, even though you think he has everything he could want. Another person I thought of, girls um, and maybe guys, let's look at Addison Rae. She is one of the most famous, if not the most famous TikToker there is right now. She's super successful. And no matter what your stance on her is, whether or not you like her or not, she is one of the most bubbly, fun personalities of anyone I follow. She literally always seems so happy. So I wondered, she seems pretty content in her life. So I went to her diary, her Twitter, and she shared, am I okay? And she has come to the conclusion, no. And then she says, ugh. So first of all, she tweets, am I okay? Thankfully, she doesn't leave that question unanswered. She tells us, no, I'm not okay. And then her second tweet is, ugh. I think we can all agree that no one says, ugh, if they're having the best day ever. This shows that she is definitely not content with whatever is going on right then in that moment. And see, we're all looking to find that satisfaction that we crave. If contentment is the state of us being satisfied, isn't that what we're wanting? We want lasting satisfaction. That is what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a passage that will help us understand what contentment is, what it's not, and how we can find full satisfaction and contentment in our lives. Because remember, the world is appealing, but God is satisfying. Look at Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul is the author of Philippians, and Paul was an apostle who, before following Jesus, was a man who was persecuting Christians for their faith. And now, as he is now, he's writing this letter to the Philippians, sharing the very thing he used to hate on. He's a great example for us to look at in God's word, whose life was dramatically changed by God. He's lived both sides and he has found what the secret to contentment is. So the first thing we can learn from Paul in this passage is that contentment is learned. Paul had to learn contentment. Paul says in verse 11 that he has learned to be content in whatever circumstance. Paul is telling the Philippians here that he hasn't always been content, but it was something that he grew in, something he learned. In verse 12, he repeats the idea of learning contentment, but this time he says that he has learned the secret of contentment. Well, isn't that why we're here? We're trying to figure out how to be content. So what is the secret of contentment? Well, Paul, thankfully, shares that with us. He doesn't keep it to himself. And so look at the first part of verse 12. Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. He knows how to be brought low. What does this mean? The original Greek word used here is tapenu, and it means to bring into a humble condition. Paul is saying here that one of the secrets to finding contentment is by humbling oneself. Another definition of this word is uh, of this word tapenu is to have a modest opinion of oneself. It's important that we have a correct view of ourselves. We have to humble ourselves and understand the state of who we are and what we have done. Romans 3:10 tells us, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3:23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can see from these two verses that none of us are righteous, not one of us, but we're all sinners who have fallen short of God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So we've looked and we've learned that we're not righteous and we are sinful. And what this verse is now saying is that the punishment for our sin is death. So what's the proper opinion we should have of ourselves? that we are sinful people who have fallen short of God's perfect standard and that we're all deserving of death? Yes, that is what Paul is saying here, that he has learned how to put himself low to humble himself and remember that we are only deserving of one thing, and that is death. So what do we do? Just look at how bad we are and just say, well, I'm the worst. I deserve nothing, so I'll just have to be content with that. Absolutely not. Humbling ourselves doesn't mean we sulk in how bad we are. Because at the end of the day, that makes it about us again. Humbling ourselves is about realizing where we have fallen short, but then looking to the one who is able to give us life. Let's look at the rest of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our sin separates us from being in a relationship with God the Father, but through Jesus and trusting in him as Lord, we are able to have a new life. Through this new life, we are given everything that we need, and this is true satisfaction. Is Paul saying here that he's done this perfectly? No, 
In the same verse, he says that he also knows how to abound. To abound means to be great or to excel in something. He knew how to make his name great for a little bit at least. But Paul learned to humble himself and knew that it was nothing that he did or would do that would satisfy him. But only through what Jesus did for him that he could be truly content. But he wasn't perfect at it. And that is an aspect of being a learner. As you are learning, you will fail. That's part of it. I've seen so many people around me, including myself, beat themselves up about not being fully content or satisfied. Obviously, it's our fault, right? If you have not been seeking contentment in the Lord previously, you fail once and check it off the box of, oh, I tried the God thing. I wasn't happy all the time, so on to the next thing. For those of you who, like me, get upset with yourself for not being content all the time in the Lord, Paul is telling us here that it is something we will succeed in and we will fail in. We are constantly growing in this area, and that's part of being a learner. I'll be honest, y'all. There are many days when I'm not content or feeling fully satisfied in the Lord. I want a different car that doesn't drag on the ground sometimes. I want a nicer, bigger home for people to come over to. I want more likes on my Instagram posts. I want to be famous. I want to be viral. I want to make cool TikToks that go crazy famous. I want a better family situation. I want nicer clothes. I want better nails. And you know what? I got them. And then I wanted better than those. And so I got those. And I continue to need the best nails each time I went. And still, I'm sitting here with what I would say is the peak of my nail game. I mean, just look at them. And I'm just thinking of the next set. Guys, you might not fully understand that and you might think it's ridiculous, but we all have that thing that we are constantly looking to the next thing to satisfy. And if we don't get it, we're disappointed. I have learned, as Paul talked about, to be content in what the Lord has for me. When I understand I'm a lowly person deserving a death and everything good that I do And everything good that I have is just an example of God's grace given to me. And that leads me to rejoice, just as Paul says at the beginning of verse 10. I am still learning, and I will continue to learn throughout my life how to be content. And this means I will fail. I will have those days that I just want more. You know, I want the better nails. I want the better clothes. I want the better car. And in those moments, I have to humble myself and learn what contentment looks like in that situation. That brings me to my second point. Another thing we learn from Paul in this passage is contentment is not circumstantial. Paul's contentment wasn't based off his circumstances. We knew that Paul was in prison at the time he wrote this letter. And shortly after, and it was shortly after being shipwrecked. So I think we can all agree that Paul's circumstances were not ideal. So how could someone who has been shipwrecked was in prison for the second time, I might add, and who had faced rejection from most of the people around him say he was content? It doesn't make sense. In verse 12, Paul also says that he has learned the secret of contentment in both plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Obviously, these things are on different different points of the spectrum. We think that contentment only applies when we are in lack of. And being content in the lack of, which, yes, Paul is saying that we can be content even in need when we remember that we have been given everything we actually need, life in Jesus. 
But we forget that contentment is necessary in plenty and hunger or plenty and abundance also. The word used here, plenty, is the Greek word chortazo, having fulfillment and satisfaction of a desire. So Paul is saying here that contentment is still learned when you have plenty. Why would why would we need to be content if you have all your desires fulfilled and satisfied? Paul tells us this so that we understand that no matter how much or how little we have, our contentment and satisfaction is not found in our fulfilled desires. But our desires and full contentment are fulfilled in Jesus and the understanding of what he offers us through a relationship with him. Have you ever said, if this would happen, then I would be happy or if this would change, then my life would be better. Take a second. What is that one thing for you that if you got this thing or if this thing were to change or were to happen, then you would be satisfied or happy? If only I could get into this school, then I'd be happy. Well, now, if only I could join this for sorority or fraternity or get in this club or make this sports team, then I'd be satisfied. Or if I could just go to the best party of the year, live it up, it would make my whole year. Well, now, if I could just find that right person, then I'd be happy. Well, then you get that person. And now you're worried about them actually committing to you and then you'd be happy well as long as we get engaged by senior year then i'd be satisfied oh but i have to get that job that i've always dreamed about or obviously i'd be devastated and oh shoot i forgot i need to get married and have the cutest babies and drive the perfect car and have the cutest house with a cute doodle of some sort and then it would be perfect then i'd be satisfied Oh, but then there's vacation. As you can see, if we are looking to any of these things, you will be stuck in this constant cycle of nothing that will satisfy for the long run. You will always be wanting and reaching for the next thing. First John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. This verse tells us that the things of this world are passing away along with its desires. But it is the will of God that abides forever. Only in seeking the Lord and his will will we find anything that lasts, including satisfaction. That brings us to our third point. Contentment comes only with the help of Jesus Christ. In verse 13, Paul says that he is able to do all things through him who strengthens him. Many of y'all have probably heard this verse before. Maybe you had it written on your face like I did when you play sports. This verse, a lot of the time, is used out of context. And it's used to motivate to win or to get out of a difficult situation. And Paul says, Paul says this to the Philippians, that he is able to be content through the strength that the Lord gives. It is through the strength God gives that contentment is even possible. Some of you may have deleted Instagram for a while to help with jealousy, but that only helps for a little bit. Maybe you've made a New Year's resolution to get in shape. Guys, you want to get bigger, which is frustrating because girls, we know ours is the opposite. But you can work out and eat right, see results, and discontentment still seems to creep in. 
we can take practical steps that are helpful. And these things are not bad. They can help us. But if we are using these things to be content, we will constantly fail. We are only able to find this contentment through the strength of the Lord because it's hard. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His word tells us that we are not supposed to be content all on our own. We are to rely on the help of the Lord. And in doing so, he promises to never leave us or forsake us. We're not naturally content creatures. I think we can all agree on that. It doesn't just happen for us, if you haven't realized. We can only be truly content and satisfied with the help of Jesus. And he wants that for us. John 10.10 says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to earth to give life to those who would accept it. And it doesn't just say to give life in this verse, even though that would be enough. But he says that it would be an abundant life. Jesus wants to give us an abundant life. He wants to satisfy us. It's only through him that lasting satisfaction is even possible. What is it going to take for you to find your full satisfaction and contentment in Jesus? For some of you, it might mean fully surrendering your life to Jesus and admitting that you have been seeking after everything but him to give you satisfaction. But now you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and let him direct you to true satisfaction. For others of you, it might be admitting what areas you have been seeking satisfaction in outside of the Lord and asking that he would give you the strength to be content in him. I don't know what it is for you, but take a few moments with the people around you and answer this question. What is it going to take for you to find your full satisfaction and contentment in Jesus? So what are some practical steps to find the satisfaction and contentment? The first one is evaluate yourself. Evaluate and ask yourself, what am I trying to find satisfaction in? Am I truly content in where the Lord has me or am I looking to other things? If you're really wanting to evaluate yourself, ask a friend if they think you're content or not. This will humble you really quick. Trust me. The second, remember who you are. Once you've identified what areas you're lacking contentment in or what areas you're seeking satisfaction in outside of the Lord, as as Paul would say, bring yourself low. Remember the consequences of your sin. Remember that we are separated from God because of our sin. But the last step is remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the son of God who came down to earth to take the punishment that we deserve so that we can have a new life with God the Father. If we remember this, we are reminded that we truly have already been given everything that we need if we have a relationship with Jesus. This leads us to rejoice in who he is and satisfies us knowing that we have been given the best gift that anyone could possibly receive. Because remember, the world is appealing, but God is satisfying. 